If you or a loved one has a hoarding problem, let's work together on a solution. Hi, Laura. Thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me. So I'm going to introduce, we have Laura Spalding from Spalding Decon, and she's going to be here talking about her experience um, diving into the industry of hoarding and how that all came about. So welcome, Laura. Thank you. So tell us a little about your, your journey, um, how you kind of ended up um, diving into hoarding. Yeah, you know, it was kind of a unique thing. Uh, back in 2005, I started a uh, crime scene cleanup company, and uh, I was uh, working in that capacity for about six months, and I ended up working for a pretty large uh, client, and uh, they approached me and said, you know, we have this property that's in an extreme hoarding situation. Uh, will you, are you willing to tackle it? We can't find anybody to do it, but we figured somebody that's used to crime scenes isn't afraid of anything. So would you be willing to take a look at it? And uh, not really knowing a lot about hoarding at that time, um, but I was in a position where I never said no to a job. So I said, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to, uh, to dive in and take a look at it. And this was kind of a, a, a different type of job because there was no actual, uh, hoarder present. So, uh, you know, I didn't have the psychology of dealing with that person on my first one, but it was a mammoth amount of stuff that I was, uh, had to figure out how to disseminate. And that right. was back in 2006. Wow. And even then it was still like hoarding. What, what hoarding? Like I, I was, yeah, I didn't know what it was. And, and the psychological aspect, honestly, it's, that's I think often the hardest part and so oh totally in a situation where you can do, deal with the stuff and not the emotion it's so much easier to manage that to a degree I mean it doesn't mitigate the amount of stuff you've got but <laughs> yeah I honestly think I got lucky because um I it, I had that first job was huge but it was huge from a quantity perspective and to it I I did good at it because I had to tackle one dimension of it. If I would have had the person there as well, I probably would have been overwhelmed because I had no experience dealing with someone like that. So I'm glad that I had the opportunity to um, segregate the two to learn mm -hmm. more. Mm -hmm. Did you have help on that job or was that one of your uh, initial ones where you were doing it on your own? You know, I, I was my own sole employee at the time. But when I saw this house, there was just no, I mean, I would still be doing it from 2006 if I was doing it on my own. So uh, I definitely got help uh, to, uh, to help. I mean, this house was a good size house, you know, it was a typical Midwest with two story plus a basement and it was just packed to the brim. So, uh, you know, I think we ended up using about six to eight dumpsters. You know, there was, there was over 20 tons of, of trash there. Wow. And that's so, when people think about hoarding, especially currently, people, it's kind of the joke, you know, that you're hoarding this, but really, if you're truly dealing with hoarding, you are dealing with dumpster level stuff, typically. Oh, yeah. The volume Definitely. is just staggering. It really is. So how did you 
how did you feel after you finished that and survived all that level of stuff? Exhausted. <laughs> I was just physically exhausted. I remember it, it probably, you know, looking back, it's insane. Uh, a job like that, we could probably get done in four or five days. And I, I think it took me close to a month just mm-hmm. because I was trying to figure out uh, how to disseminate some of the good items that I wanted donated. And it was in a very rural part of Missouri. Mm. Uh, so, you know, now I didn't have any of the resources that I have now where, you know, all the charities are coming to me and I was able to recycle. I wasn't recycling anything at that point, you know, uh, the metals or the electronics. And, you know, of course now we're, you know, a lot more, uh, sophisticated on that stuff. So, uh, it took me just so much longer and I, I ended up paying a lot in dumpsters and waste that probably could have been recycled. Mm-hmm. And that's the challenge when you're doing that, though, is everything is so mishmashed together and you, you might be thinking you're dealing with, you know, computer parts and now you're dealing with, you know, dog food, <laughs> yeah. you know, all mixed together. And it's kind of hard to, to separate that definitely. Yeah. And I think that's one of the mistakes that, that a lot of families that are, that don't know how to handle a situation like that, their first inclination is, oh, I'm just going to call a junk removal company. And, uh, you know, I, I find that difficult because they're designed to come in and just throw everything away. Mm -hmm. You know, we're going through pockets, we're opening up, you know, sofas to make sure that, you know, no stone is unturned to find their heirlooms and their keepsakes. And that's not what a junk removal company is designed to do. So I find that families, you know, they have good intentions, but when they do that, I think it exacerbates the situation and and makes the, uh, the hoarder uh, really uncomfortable and, they feel violated. And that's the huge part of it, especially on the family aspect is there's so many dynamics at play already Mm -hmm. that there, but yet there's other people like organizers and things that instantly want to call the family in to solve the problem. And often that's just not going to work because of that emotional baggage and pain that's already there. And I appreciate what you're saying about the junk removal aspect also because there's so many stories of money that was found or heirlooms or jewelry or yeah, and it's all tucked in the books and the trash and the whatever. Um, So I think it's really valuable for people to know that there's someone like yourself and your company Mm. that understands that from that perspective. Um, Absolutely. So how much time would you say that adds to the jobs? I mean, if if you just came in and swept it, you'd be fine. But how much time do you think it adds? Uh, yeah, it adds several days. But, you know, we're we're typically able to interview the, the, the owner and find out, you know, what are you looking for? What's been missing? What's important to you? So, mm-hmm. you know, if it's um, furniture, then we know that we don't have to spend too much time going through coat pockets, for example. Right. So we're able to really uh, kind of narrow down what's important to them and what they want to either take and relocate or put in a storage unit or whatever uh, to another place. And then what is the end game with the house? And that's kind of where the real estate part comes in into play. And that's such a valuable piece, knowing what that end game is. And I've had a, a recent conversation and 
with someone who's trying to figure out what to do with their parents hoarded home and it's like well what is your plan and often they don't know so do you lead that conversation like to help them understand that you need to know that piece yeah i do because the end game is extremely important because we're not going to uh go in there and do a deep clean and you know make everything look beautiful if the end game was demolishing the house because that's just not important uh a lot of times the end game is maybe going into an alf and uh they need to sell the property for the payment to pay the alf so um if that's the case then we make a cash offer to buy the property and they literally walk away so they don't have to pay us to clean it out it becomes our problem they can give us a list of what they want we'll pull it out of the house for them and then the house becomes our problem they get the cash to go to the alf and it's a win-win situation and that's so fabulous because there's that piece that people don't recognize of the financial aspect and how that is so such a big deal, especially if you're going to ALS or um, transitioning to maybe assisted living of some sort and um, such a huge burden for families to try to figure out. Um, in general, it seems it's at a crisis point already and now you're dealing with the house and the hoarding and the emotional things Um, it really is and then you add on the fact that a lot of families aren't even local so they're trying to do this from long distance which that's you know just extremely difficult so uh we try to kind of you know you want to you want to cater the process towards the end goal and that, that's how we do things you know we're, we're not going to say you know hey we'll come in here and organize it for you and make it clean if that's not their end game their end game was to move out and leave anyway so that that's not catering to what they need and i think it's so valuable for you to to provide that space for them to tell you mm-hmm. what the end game is because i think that the instinct is oh we're just going to run in and clean and make it pretty and mom will be okay versus what do we actually need to do for in this situation? And I think for me, one of my, I mean, I knew this, but it was really driven home to me how each situation can be different. I mean, the stuff might be the part of the problem, but each situation has a different dynamic and a different. Very much so. Yeah, and, very much. And I think um, knowing that people understand that i mean it's very few people that i have come across that are really aware of that whole holistic aspect of what needs to be happening and that's very intriguing for me to see a small company like yours that became a franchise to actually see all those aspects fold into it um how did that journey go i mean how how was it when you decided to franchise well, you know, so the process evolved from the, the first project that I, that I talked to you about, and I was able to see kind of what I was missing at that first job. I was missing, you know, the ability to, to have those relationships with donation, and then I was missing my ability to uh, recycle items that shouldn't go to the landfill. So the first thing I did is I just started doing a bunch of research on, on those two avenues and seeing how can I disseminate that stuff so that it reduces uh, not only the cost, but the amount of items going to the landfill. So that was the first thing. And, you know, as we grew, I en- ended up getting estate liquidators, uh, professional organizers. Um, a, lot of, a lot of people think that we would be in competition, and we're actually not. 
you know, the hoarding skill has five levels and the professional organizers will typically do one and two and we do four and five and then three really depends on the situation. So anything that's, that's a level one or two, I always refer out to a professional organizer because they're going to be more one-on-one in a slow process. Whereas we're designed to handle these extreme situations, these monumental things that have families just with filled with anxiety having to deal with. So I think we all have our place. And then, you know, like I said, we've evolved over the years after I've gotten all that, then we decided in 2016 to um, offer the real estate. And it was just one of those things where um, I was called by a family and uh, they said, you know, we've got to get her out of this, out of this. It was a condo at the time. We've got to get her out of the condo. The HOA is just giving her fine after fine and she's not cleaning it up because she's just not able to do it. And I said, listen, uh, why don't you guys, I'll buy it from you and you just walk away. And she's like, that is the most amazing thing I've heard at all. So I literally just kind of cut her a check for the, for the condo and I cleaned it out, remodeled it and then resold it. And I thought, you know what? I bet a lot of families would find value in this. So we started just making those uh, offers to people and uh, about one in 10 take it. That is so amazing because just in my own personal experience, the amount of time that a family spends trying to figure this out, and they're already dealing with a level of crisis that most of us don't want to be in. Um, Mm -hmm. And so having that option is just fantastic. And it's pretty amazing to me how many people don't realize that they could do that. There's like this guilt attached. Well, if I sell Mm -hmm. mom's condo, or dad's, you know, estate, I'm like a bad kid versus think about what's the benefit to your parent right now? What's the benefit to you? Um, You know, you don't get your time back. And if you Mm -hmm. can spend your time with your parent instead of dealing with the stuff, that that's time you never get back. And I think it's really valuable for people to know that it's an acceptable way to deal with this. And if you're working with a trusted company and you're able to lay out what you're looking for, that's amazing. And so I just, I appreciate that from the perspective of one day I probably have to deal with my childhood home. Right. (laughs) And that's daunting if you're the only kid or if you have uh, multiple people that you have to do. I feel rather blessed that it's going to just be me calling the shots versus five kids who all have a different Yeah, and we've had, yeah, we've had that situation before where, you know, there was multiple siblings and they just didn't agree. Um, You know, the more siblings you have, the harder it is to get one opinion (laughs) on anything. So uh, that's been challenging. Uh, But ultimately, what happens is they all live in different states and they just want to be done with it. They don't want the burden of the taxes and taking care of a house that they're not even close to. So um, the majority of the time when that happens, they just, they just sell it to us. Well, it's, it's great that you're, that you have that option. And I was looking at some of the different states that you're in. looks like right now you're in Texas, Georgia, North and South Carolina, Florida, San Francisco, and then also in Philadelphia. Are you looking at expanding into other yeah. states or 
We are. We're constantly looking to expand. Uh, but, you know, finding the right franchise partner is key uh, for what we do. It's, it's not, you know, uh, it's not a McDonald's, you know, kind of right. anybody can do that because, you know, it's a, it's just you walk in and it's all there for you. Ours uh, requires a level of empathy. And uh, believe it or not, not everybody has that. <laughs> oh, I can, I believe it. <laughs> yeah. Especially yeah. when it comes to this type of thing. And I think what you touched on in the very beginning was that the, the fact that there's the stuff that you're dealing with, the actual physical stuff, but then you have this psychological piece over here. Right. That is huge. And juggling both of those things, and especially if you're a solo person, um, that is really overwhelming. So yes. um, <clears throat> how did you start when you started stepping into that psychological aspect, how did you start dealing with that? Did you try to find like a purpose to come in or? Well, you know, uh, what it was is getting a level of trust going on. And when, when you first talk to these people over the phone, uh, the conversation is not your typical 10, 15 minute conversation. It's 45 minutes to an hour. Uh, and it's getting to know them and what makes them tick. And then they're looking for any sense of judgment out of us. Uh, they're looking for, um, you know, us, they're, they're, they need to find a reason to not hire us. And because they're terrified of somebody coming into their house. So they'll typically, you know, uh, schedule an estimate with me and then cancel it four or five times with an excuse that I know is just an excuse. Um, but in the rare occurrence that they'll allow me to, to actually come to the house, um, you know, I don't push my, my way in. I don't insist on, hey, I'm on a time frame. I need to get in here type thing. Um, I've sat on the front porch with them for hour, hour and a half before just talking. Uh, and they're terrified because, you know, I'm the only person that's come into their house in 20, 25 years. And that's, that's scary for them. And I, I get it. Um, but when I go in, you know, I'm, I'm looking for, uh, what do you want to keep rather than what are we getting rid of? And believe it or not, there's a big difference in that conversation and the dynamic of it, because we're focusing on what they want to keep. The minute you start talking about, I'm getting rid of your stuff is when the anxiety comes in and, and they don't, they can't handle it and they might shut down. They're terribly embarrassed and, um, you know, I tell everybody the same thing. Believe me, I, I've seen worse. So I've been in a lot, a lot of houses and, uh, you know, no matter what they show me, I've seen worse. So, I, you know, it's just developing that relationship. But I also find that when I'm going on these initial estimates and meeting them and spending time with them, they have very serious expectations of me being present on the actual project. And I'm not always able to do that. So I try to show my face every once in a while on the project just to make them feel comfortable. That's an aspect that I think you're really, that's really key is that they have built a relationship with you. And so there's an expectation that you will be that primary person. And the fact that the key piece, I think there is about having that conversation and not, I'm not gonna say I don't have inner thoughts about whatever is happening, but you're right. In general, I've seen worse. Um, and I just feel like 
it's kind of a, a place of honor for them to mm -hmm. allow you in. I and agree. I that plays into that empathy piece. Um, mm -hmm. You have to have this certain soft skill set, I think, to connect with people in that way. Yeah, and I have this uh, overwhelming desire to transform these homes. Uh, I love, and this is one of the reasons that I love the, this service that we do and the real estate side of things, because I love taking, um, you know, uh, an ugly egg and turning it into a beautiful end result, um, you know, house and a, creating a home for them. And during the process of while we're in their property, I can literally see a difference in their personality. It's when you create that clean environment and you remove that clutter, they have a different sense of self. They start to get excited about opportunities and possibilities of allowing people in their home. Um, the, the embarrassment is no longer there. And it's, it's just amazing to see the happiness that transforms just through the time that we're there. And that is so true. And there, there's so many levels of relationships that are impacted um, from, you know, not being able to have your kids, not seeing your grandkids. Um, there's so much pain wrapped up in that stuff that I think once they start to kind of go through that process, it just allows them to mm -hmm. reconnect. And there's so many people that like grew up in a hoarded home and now have their own kids. And those kids may have never been in their grandparents' home because of the hoarding, right. and because of the clutter. And often the the person that hoards is very upset by this, mm -hmm. but they have minimal insight as to how their behavior or decisions are impacting that relationship. Is that yes. something you that they bring up with you when you talk with them? Yeah, so a lot of them will not allow family uh, in their house, and they have a lot of excuses. And I think one of the things that surprises me the most is uh, that family just takes the excuses and doesn't think twice about it. Um, and, you know, we, we did a recent situation where um, the mom was living with her adult daughter and the two other adult children uh, they would always come by and she would never let them in. And she would just say, oh, the house is just not tidy. I'll meet you outside and we'll go to dinner. You know, she always had an excuse for not uh, allowing people in. And then once she passed and they went in, they were just horrified at the status of what she was living in. And they felt uh, culpable for not pushing it more to see the condition. And I think that's part of the biggest challenge is you end up choosing a relationship over dealing with the stuff and I think there's just a lot of people that don't know how to have that conversation and so it just keeps sliding into hell basically yeah and it seems to me that silence is just not great and even if you tick them off I mean I typically will start leading with safety conversations around mm -hmm. trip hazards, especially if people are older. I mean, broken hips are huge, you know, broken bones mm -hmm. for older folks. And do you find there's a particular way that people listen a little more 
you know, if you're talking on a certain issue? Well, I find that uh, family can make it or break it for us. Um, we've had situations before where uh, the family was just so disgusted with how the mom was living and they just berated her and they insisted on, on being present. So it, it really, it, it was counterproductive for us. You know, every, every time we started uh, to, to make way with her, the daughter would just pipe in and I can't believe you're keeping that. Why are you doing that? And so, you know, what happened was she ended up shutting down the job because she couldn't deal with the daughter. And she was just embarrassed that the daughter not only saw it, but the way she was talking to her in front of us. So ultimately we ended up coming back five years later when they moved her out to assisted living. And then we just cleaned out the property completely. So sometimes family is, is not good to be present. And other times it, it's a, it's a, you know, consolable for them. And it's somebody that they can lean on during this period of anxiety. And I think it really highlights the the level of relationship that you have prior to this mm -hmm. um, and stepping into it. And I hear are so many people that in this realm that who study and do things who are always saying, talking about how the family can help and the family can understand and the family can step in. And I just think there's like this glaring misconception about how much the family can A, do, and B, mm -hmm. what they're actually responsible for. Yeah, and I think, you know, a lot of family members just want to turn the other way and just wait till the person passes and then deal with it that, at that time. Um, and then I don't think that they're, they realize the burden that they've taken uh, by doing that, because then you have no idea where anything is. You have no idea, you know, what was important to, you know, your mom or dad, um, and if you're, if you live out of state, that's an extra burden on you. Right. And there's so much that people don't, I mean, I understand why people walk away. Um, a yeah. lot of times you've tried to help and you've been shut down at every corner. Uh, you've been yeah. ready for caring basically. And so I've seen a lot of situations where everyone has basically abandoned them. Um, yeah. Forever. And so when you are allowed to step in, finally, it usually is pretty extreme, it seems. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, so now that you have, so do you have other people that go out and do like your estimates and your walkthrough? I mean, you have other people. Yeah. So uh, I mostly work on the uh, franchising side at this point. So, um, you know, we have project managers and, and people specialists that, that go in and uh, make those relationships and, you know, all taught by me and, mm -hmm. you know, make sure that they're following the process as it should be. Because, you know, after all these years, I've learned uh, quite a bit on what they're looking for, what makes them happy, what bothers them, what gives them anxiety. So, uh you know, I'm, I'm able to pass that on to not only my employees, but franchisees, because they've never seen anything like this when they come in, you know, and, it, and it's really quick, you know, as a human being, I think it's, it's, I don't know, nature to, wow, pass judgment. How can anybody live like that? And uh, I don't tolerate that in my company at all. So we're extremely judgment-free. You don't know the, the shoes that they've walked into walked in in their lives you don't know what happened to them so uh i i insist on it and if i ever see it they're terminated immediately 
So we don't have that here. And that's why I think we have such good relationships with, with these people and they trust us to help them. Right. And having that judgment-free um, situation is so needed. And so many of these people have been berated for so long that they feel like they have no work. Yeah, and they're beat up. They're beat up emotionally, yeah. mentally. Um, I don't hear so much that they've been tortured physically by other people, but it's no. more that mental right. process. And the other piece is that for me, a lot of these people have had brilliant careers and um, brilliant minds, and they oh, are very much so intelligent. Yep. It's this one area that's a huge mm -hmm. problem for them, and and I hate knowing how much they tolerate on a personal level because of this one situation that they have, you know, that haunts them basically. Yeah, most people are very surprised to hear that these individuals are, um, you know, are hoarders. And it's because they are uh, above average intelligence. Uh, you know, they ha their hygiene is fine. You would never know right. the difference whether, you know, they're using baby wipes or whether they're going to the gym and showering or whatever it might be. But uh, they're very well put together. They're, you know, we've done everything from a psychologist to a pharmacist to teachers to social workers um, so all very caring type uh, workers. Um, so, you know, you see they, the heart is there and just, you know, I find that most of them suffered from something traumatic in their life that triggered this. And, you know, living in this type of home almost reflects the way they feel on the inside. So they, they almost like they feel they're so depressed. They feel like they deserve it. And that's why it's so rewarding to help them and see that personality change because it gives them a new beginning. Right. It's like a new lease on life. And you can yeah. see like the burden lightens as they go. And it seems that that caring, compassionate aspect is what's needed, you know, mm -hmm. and I don't, I think families are often, they want to be nice, but yep. I think what they need to do is be kind, which means you have to find a way to get to that truth, hopefully a little right. earlier than by, by doing nothing. Right. Absolutely. So do you, do you have any thoughts or suggestions on how people should be having these conversations in order to introduce your services to their parent? <laughs> yeah, you know, I've, I've been asked that quite a bit, actually. Um, and uh, my, my answer to that is not in a uh, group. Um, you know, if it can be done one-on-one, -on -one, that's great. If not, a phone call, but you're typically going to get blown off on the phone. Um, but if, if, if it's one-on-one, -on -one, just make it a, listen, um, I'm concerned or as, a, as the adult child that, you know, this might become my burden. I would love to help you uh, fix up your house and, and clean it out and just kind of give you um, a nice, safe space to be in. And when you put it that way, as opposed to, you know, the one example I gave is, oh my God, how are you living this way? This is disgusting. This is this, you know, that shuts down the person right away um, to whereas you're just basically offering help and, 
you know, saying, you know, mom, dad, you know, I, I can't do this by myself, but I found someone that I really like that, that is willing to come in and help. And don't worry, we're not going to throw away anything that you don't want us to throw away. But the whole point is to um, maybe get, get rid of some of the trash or some of the items that are broken and maybe donate some of the duplicate items. And I find that that conversation works really well when you take more of an empathetic view. Right. And just being focused on, like you mentioned, what you want to keep and, you know, mm -hmm. their well-being. And I, I think removing some of that emotion, which can be really difficult. Um, but I also think it's hard when you realize someone lived that way and you don't know that till they, they pass away. And to think yeah. about what they could have had, had mm -hmm. they allowed someone to intervene or if you had brought up the issue um, in a kind way, you know? Um, so I really appreciate your perspective on that and having people who are aware that they need to have some empathy going into these things. Um, I almost think in many ways it could come under like a, a dirty jobs type of <laughs> training where yeah. you could be actually trained to do this on a bigger scale. Um, and I mean, what you have started is a great way for people to step into that. So what's your, what's your process if people are interested in like growing in different states and different areas? Yeah, so we kind of have a two-part process. If you're interested in franchising and becoming part of our brand, uh, that you could just go to our website, spaldingdecon.com slash franchise, and you'll get plenty of information there. But say you're, I don't know, a, a professional organizer in another area, and you want to take this to the next level, we've created some training uh, online at uh, crimescenecleaning.thinkific.com. And that's the training portal. And you can take the hoarding section individually. You don't have to take the other modules. And we go over everything that you need from some of the stuff that we talked about, how to talk to people, how to create these type of um, specific estimates, because no two are alike. Everybody has a different need or desire. Um, so, you know, it's, it's pretty in-depth, but it'll really give you a, a good idea of how you can have an impact on these people and how you can change their homes and lives. Well, that is fantastic. I'd be happy to share that because it's been about a year and I talked with some professional organizers and um, the fact that my point was, you know, I may not be the best person to help my mother, you know, just straight up. That is probably not yeah. the best thing. Yeah. And I think it's really important for some of the people that are working in this profession to be aware of that so mm -hmm. and even people who are in contact with these situations don't necessarily have the the skills or the that training so I think it's really valuable that people could actually explore that and that the fact that it's online right now how perfect <laughs> yeah no I agree and you know I think one of the biggest misconceptions are um, you know hoarders all they have is just a bunch of trash just throw it all away and that's really just an uneducated view uh, of, of the situation. And I agree with you. You know, I think as, a, as an adult child, 
uh, you'd probably be the wrong person to deal with your mom just because she's going to care a hell of a lot more about your opinion and your judgment versus mine. And she doesn't know me and she'll probably never see me again after it happens. So having that level of separation, I think really is an advantage to you. Right. And I think it helps the relationship be remain intact. I mean, personally, I had to look at the situation and I raise it once in a while, but then I back off because right. I'm still looking at, can I retain a relationship for now? And yes. so I think that's the challenge and bringing in that, I would almost say neutral ish third party, I think is really helpful for everybody's mental health. <laughs> I think so too. Uh, yeah. Just having that separation there, you know, I would rather her be mad at me than mad at you. Because again, you know, after this is done and over with, she's probably never going to see me again. But uh, maintaining your relationship with her is the most important thing. Right. And I think that's a great, a great message for people to hear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I completely. think it relieves a little burden on, on you instead of feeling like you're responsible for the whole scenario. Um, yeah, you know, I can't tell you how many times we've been called from kind of out of state uh, adult kids, and they literally will not even fly down and, uh, and go through the items. They find it overwhelming, and it upsets them. So they just send me a list and say, pack this up if you find it and ship it to me. Uh, and, uh, you know, so I use my judgment on a lot of stuff. But, you know, anything that is questionable. I literally get on like, you know, FaceTime or right. Skype or whatever they have. And I say, listen, I need, I have several questions on what you want done with this stuff because I don't feel comfortable making a lot of those big decisions. Uh, it could be an heirloom that I didn't know anything about. That's right. different than, you know, obvious trash and newspapers and magazines and stuff. But uh, I can't tell you how many people do that. They just find it overwhelming to be in the environment and they don't want to see uh, what mom or dad was living in. It upsets them. Yeah. It, and it really is an upsetting anxiety producing thing. I think even more so if you didn't know and yeah. then you find out that it was that extreme. So um, I I love the idea that that's an option. And I love knowing mm -hmm. that I can be like, hey, where are you? Hey, let me see. Spalding <laughs> <laughs> is yeah. there. Let me find yeah. that for you. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we love it. I mean, we're, we even, I mean, it's crazy, you know, because we, we do some of um, our interesting jobs and in, uh, on YouTube, you know, we always protect the privacy of everything, but I think it's opened up a lot of conversation. And I think that's important because again, these people just don't have an accurate description because it's been sensationalized on, you know, A&E or whatever. And mm -hmm. that's, that's not realistic. You know, we don't go in with, uh, counselors and therapists, you know, that would totally violate HIPAA unless that person was hired by the, the client themselves. Mm -hmm. So I get that a lot. You know, we go on estimates, where's your therapist? Aren't you going to bring a therapist? I'm like, no, 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 this isn't TV. So right. it, I think it gives them a real inside look at, you know, not all hoarders hoard trash. Uh, right. uh, quite the contrary. A lot of them just have, you know, some really cool stuff and they might have, you know, 25 of the same laptops that's not trash. You know, that's stuff that can be donated or recycled. So I, I hate when people pigeonhole them all into one, one group and it, it just couldn't be further from the truth. Absolutely. I mean, and showing that it's not, you know, 
I mean, I think the TV has opened up people's eyes to the problem, but I'm not sure yes. that it's facilitated a solution, <laughs> um, you know, yeah. long term. Right. Yeah. I think that, yeah, the show is designed to uh, shock and awe. You know, right. that's, that's what it is. And, you know, we take a different approach to it of this is why this person started doing this. Cause there's always a, an event, always mm -hmm. an event. And sometimes the person doesn't even know, and I'll ask them in a way that they don't even realize that I'm asking. So, you know, one of my things is always, how long has this been like this? And it's, oh, 12 years. And I'll say, oh, okay. And then I'll change the subject. I'll come back and I'll go, what happened 12 years ago? Mm -hmm. And then they'll go, oh, I got a divorce. Bam. That's it right there. That was the trigger that started this. And then it's been a downward spiral and they don't get it until I say, that's what happened. Mm -hmm. This is why we need to, we need to overcome this. And, you know, now we have a bunch of therapists that have reached out to us that, you know, as a referral source, Hey, we, you know, we're willing to, to do this in various States. So we created another uh, website uh, just for referral sources for therapists and it's hoardercleaners.com hmm. and uh, just click on your state and there's at least two therapists there that you know and we don't get anything for it there's no conflict of interest there uh, we're just doing it as a referral and that's great because there's so it seems like there are resources but it's so spread out and there's nothing yeah. really streamlined for people who either are working with it or want to know more or are willing to step into some of these situations. So that's fabulous to have that referral connection. Yeah, I find that a lot of the families will ask for it more so than the hoarder themselves. Right. So I always have, you know, that available. And I just got so overwhelmed with trying to remember names. And I'm like, you know what, we need to put this up on a website so people can just access it at their own free will. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll be happy to include that and share it because I think um, in general, it's the people that the peripheral people who care that generally seem to reach out. I've had a few people who reach out on their own and say, look, yeah. I'm getting evicted or I have to deal with this. But a lot of times it's those peripheral people that are really the ones that are concerned. Yeah, absolutely. And for any of your listeners, I mean, if there's anybody, you know, any area where you can't find somebody, feel free to email me personally. And, you know, even if it's not a therapist, I, you know, I have lots of contacts in other areas and I'm happy to share, you know, uh, mm -hmm. referrals and my experiences with them. And even in states where we're not located, you know, I'm affiliate, you know, it's a small community. So, you know, we all kind of know each other and I'm able to, to refer, make referrals for, you know, companies that I trust and I know personally. And that's, that's fabulous. So what's the best way for people to reach you or connect with you? Uh, probably, yeah, on my website is, is the best. It's just spaldingdecon.com. And uh, I'm in the corporate office in the Tampa, Florida location. And again, we have like 24 locations. Um, if, you, if you're looking for help and, and you can't find one uh, in your city, just uh, shoot us an email right off the website. And, and I'm happy to call you and, and walk you through the process, kind of give you average cost over the phone and, you know, make sure that you're, you're taken care of, whether, you know, it's us or somebody else. All right. Well, thank you so much for talking with us today and sharing your perspective and your journey. Um, get as much into the beginning part. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we have to explore the Laura's backstory, you know. Um, I, I will include that as well, you know, on on the show notes and um, just I'm I really appreciate you taking the time to be here and sharing your perspective. Um, Thank you so else? much for having me. It was an honor. Yeah. I appreciate it.
Thank you. And anything else you'd want to make sure people know about you or this type yeah, I mean, if, if people are interested in learning more about hoarding, you know, we have we have that class available online. Uh, also, our YouTube channel, we try to be as educational as possible. And that's just youtube.com slash crime scene cleaning, one word. Um, and, you know, there's kind of something there for everyone. And, you know, we, we take a more of an educational aspect to it because uh, I, I think it's it's a lot more comprehensive than than people want to make it seem people really want to kind of dumb it down into a one or two words and it's it's quite more comprehensive than that right it really is well thank you so much for being here today and I really appreciate it thank you so much have a great day thank you if you or a loved one has a hoarding problem let's work together on a solution 